I totally focused on starting on this whole architecture thing. And, um, and so, although so did I you leave a, a piece of yourself behind at that point. Um, yeah, no, for sure. But, but it's, but it's back. So that, that's a good thing. Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest today on Talk Design is none other than Peter Tui. Peter Tui is from Tui Architecture and he does beautiful residential homes. He's also a master of virtual reality. That's not what we want to talk to Peter about. We want to talk to Peter about music because somewhere he segued his life from music to architecture. Peter, welcome to Talk Design. I know this is going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. So first off, really pleased to be here. And, uh, and, and I always like when we start any kind of an interview, like with the, the amount of laughing and smiling that we've already started. <laughs> always the right way to go. And, um, always. Exactly. So, uh, so, so really good to be here. Cool, man. I really appreciate it. Let's, let's just dig into, first of all, um, what went wrong? You know, why aren't I talking to the lead singer of some multi-level famous band that's incredible. Um, rather, I'm talking to a uh, an architect here. What 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 was the segue? I won't say went wrong, but you know, there's guitars on the wall, and it's clearly a passion. Um, yeah, yeah. How did architecture get in the way of that? Um, so there's 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 a couple of things to dig into there. So for one, um, for me, when I was a teenager. Uh, I was painfully shy, painfully shy. And, um, and so what I would do on like any given Friday, Saturday night is practice my guitar. And um, so I got into bands very young. I had really long hair, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, um, and it was interesting. The, I couldn't get the, the actual business of being in music to actually work. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'd be, the 15 year old in the band and they're all like 20 year olds. And so I'd be ripping on the guitar, you know, like I can do. And, um, and then everyone's stoned at practice. So we can't get the songs down. And then I, you know, because I'm so much younger, I can't, I don't really deliver from a, from a leadership perspective. Right. And then, um, and then you're going to find this a little bit difficult to believe because you're, you're going to think to yourself at the same time, uh, do you remember, I don't know if it was big where you are, but there was a song uh, probably eight, 10 years ago called Call Me Maybe. Do you remember the yeah, song? Yeah, and it's yeah. Stuck, and it stuck. So, so, and it's stuck. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. And it makes songwriting feel so easy. Like, oh, all you have to do is that song. And you can write, like, everyone can write a hit song. Look at that song. It's amazing, right? And uh, the same thing with, um, you know, Yesterday, you know, the the Beatles song. Yeah. Look at here yesterday. So, and um the, the melody's simple. The words aren't complicated. There's not a word in there that's not understandable. The chords are relatively simple to play. So it's, um, but writing a song is really hard. It's really hard. And and even just coming up with a topic, you know, like War and Peace would, would make a terrible song. It's just too big. It's too epic, yeah. right? So so we need to come up with Call Me Maybe, right? Or Yesterday, you know, like that. that those topics are, are fit for songs. And so for me, um, you know, as I, as I transitioned from high school into college, there was about four, three at least years. I didn't play guitar at all. You know, I, I just concentrate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was a huge change for me um, because it just wasn't, uh, um, it just wasn't, you know, I was I totally focused on starting on this whole architecture thing. And um, and so, although so did I you leave a, a piece of yourself behind at that point? Um, yeah, no, for sure. But but it's but it's back. So that that's a good thing. So I went from Italy to France, which meant on a Sunday, which meant I was completely broke because they didn't have they hadn't invented euros yet. So I had you know Italian lira, but no French francs. So I was homeless, right? And, uh, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I had no food. I had no anything. 
And um, so I'm walking around, um, you know, one of these, uh, I was in front of the Pompidou Center, uh -huh. right? and there's this guy playing a guitar. So I'm watching him, he's all right. And, um, and he's playing like James Taylor things, you know, and he's got a, an amplifier and I look at the amplifier and it's like, it's being underutilized. And, um, <laughs> and then he's got a guitar and the guitar seems like it's pretty good. And, um, and so he puts the guitar down for a second. I said, Hey, can I give that a go? And, uh, and he looks at me like, yeah, okay. So I crank up the amplifier, right? There's no yeah. more James Taylor. And I start doing my Hendrix impersonation, which is pretty good. And uh, and all these people come around, and I'm loud and proud and all that. And uh, this is you know, the shy go, kid, right? This is the exactly, shy kid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But but desperate for food and a roof. Exactly. <laughs> so so any case, um, so uh, you know we go through Purple Haze, Foxy Lady, Hey Joe, and uh, Wind Cries Mary in quick succession. Um, guitar solos in there and all that stuff. And uh, and and the guy looks at his guitar. And his amplifier because they had never made noises like that before you know james taylor just is a whole different thing right oh yeah and, and again one's not better or worse they're just very just very different. different yeah yeah and and very and um and so the uh these people started giving money in his hat like and a lot of it um you know and he goes oh this is for you man that's not, that's not my money that's yours <laughs> and um so you know i had a enough money for a uh, you know a beer and, and a place to stay and it was it was a good night <laughs> how so. funny that's a well executed plan isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, but but it is funny though the um i had a client years ago who came into my office saw the guitars and uh and knew right away he was going to hire me yeah and 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 i was like uh huh Really? Why? I mean, that didn't make any sense to me. And he goes, oh, the, 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 the parallels between music and architecture are, are, I thought you of all people would think that's crystal clear. And this is probably 20 years ago. And I had probably thought that, but hadn't articulated it in that kind of a way. And, um, and then, you know, once you start to think about it, and it's probably true of a lot of different, um, you know, creative endeavors, cooking, maybe something else, whatever. Yeah. But, but, but music, um, really strong parallels and uh, and you know like a uh, like one thing that we architects do is is we're trying to create um, in an environment let's we'll use a home as, as, a, as an example mm -hmm. but it, it's true of every single building it's uh, without exception uh, could be a, a church a synagogue a, a, an office building but for simplicity a home you walk into a foyer right maybe this foyer is very intimate and small and then as you walk through this, this door, it just opens up into this amazing view, right? The yeah. ceilings are twice as high. Then you look back over your shoulder and there's these clear story windows behind you now that like they were over the foyer. What happened? I, I missed something. And, and you're just amazed, right? And that's a little bit like that moment in, um, you know, in Stairway to Heaven where he goes, you know, da da da, da da da, you know, that, that big. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the it's a, it's a big awakening. It's the big kind of, oh, and, and that lovely parallel between great music and um, and not that all great music's this way, but the great music and great design is that the seemingly simple has an underlying complexity that's working on so many levels from emotional to physical. That's yeah, the I, magic. I you, yeah, I can give you an example of that real easily. So there's a there's a guitar player uh, played in a band called Yes. A lot of uh -huh. people familiar roundabout. Uh -huh. His name is Steve Howe. His hands are ginormous, and so he physically could do things on a guitar that I'll never be able to do, because not only does he have that physical capability, he also used it. You know, so yeah. just because you have it doesn't mean you use it. Mm -hmm. um, so there are Yes songs that I will never be able to play. Just impossible for me. Uh, and most guitar players, you know, I'm, I'm because of the size of his of his hands uh, and his dexterity. He's an amazing guitar player. Yeah. You don't want to hear this. So now flip to from that to BB King. Yeah. So BB King, again, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Full stop. No hesitation. Yeah. There's nothing that he ever played that I can't. Yeah. Right. And, and there's nothing that he ever played that I could play anywhere near as well. And, and, and he'll play like just four notes, you know, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just a little bit off, you know, yeah. the timing, the volume, the intonation, the, 
it, uh, it's whatever. so much the artist as opposed to just the um, composer. Right. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Another. Yeah, another. Just, um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people like that. There is just some so amazing, and it's the nuance that they bring to what you could take as sheet music, but you'd never actually get it to happen that way. Prince was another guy like that. Yeah. Like, just crazy what, ability to change out the the same simple notes to being something magical yeah so so i was it was uh we were having this conversation so there's only 12 yeah there's only 12, yeah. 12 notes and we have we have a couple of octaves and maybe there's like i don't know six or seven octaves on a piano something like that 88 keys so 88 divided by 12 whatever that is and um and that's it Right, that's it. That's that's all you have. So if you're Mozart, if you're Metallica, if you're Britney Spears, the only, uh, um, uh, any jazz player, yeah, you all have the same notes. Yeah, you know, doesn't matter who you are. You've only yeah. got the same amount of notes. It's how you express them, and exactly. it's, it's how you mix them, express them, and pull them together. And if you parallel that to architecture, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, there's really four walls um about there's combinations of that and roof lines and stuff and um yeah, but, but think, again think of it even more basic think of it more basic so so the um you know we as architects have a limited palette you know musicians have the 12 notes and yeah. they can put those 12 notes together and in, in like um you could play um um like heartbreaker by led zeppelin no 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 those are notes in a row Right. But most guitar players end up putting notes together and they form chords. Any three notes is a chord. And so that's it. Right. I mean, those are your options. And, um, and you could do four notes and four notes can be a chord too. And there's there's nuance. Uh, so for architects, we have a limited palette of materials, but it's simultaneously unlimited in the same way that musicians, that very limited palette is unlimited. So we have what glass, concrete, brick, stone, uh, drywall. Yeah. And, and there's 12. I'm sure there's at least 12. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then just in the glass category, just that. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a thousand different types of glass and kinds of ways that you can use it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now, and now use wood for a second. Like, oh no, now there's like, if you were going to say a thousand, now there's 10,000. 10, yeah. Right. Yeah. And now, now I can paint the wood. Oh, wait a yeah. minute. Now it's a million. No, All it's the variations to it. Right. Yeah, right. that's so true. It's um, it, and and that's how we get difference in it. That's how we get signatures, and you know, different people's work looks different from other people's work. Right. Mm. And, and, and I was going to say, like, and and maybe, you know, um, great architectural firms are like great bands. Um, they have a, a signature, but it evolves with them over time, and it evolves with uh, their client base over time as well. Just like a great band will not necessarily change direction, but evolves its direction, you know, from one yeah. point to another point as they mature and learn and um, as the marketplace takes them in different spaces. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, we haven't talked about this, but it's, it's been on my mind for a while. So if you think about like rock and roll bands, oftentimes, oftentimes, their first album is their, uh, contains some of their best work. Sure. So it's raw. Um, Right. So, so uh, Jimi Hendrix as just mm -hmm. one example. The first album includes Hey Joe, Purple Haze, Foxy Lady, Wind Cries Mary, I believe. Anyway, it's, it's an astonishingly good album uh, by any standard. His other albums were good, too. Yeah. Um, but the um, but oftentimes there's a, like it goes downhill. But is that uh, is that why we know him? Because he did such a good first album that he got to do a second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, album. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that's when you, you know, there's plenty of bands that do a first album that um, don't get they it, don't do get it. the recognition, but the stars or the, the guys that have shaped music, they, at some point they put a stick in the mud and that was early on and it created, are you two similar? Like in that sense, it's got a, you know, amazing sort of back catalog of things. I think mm -hmm. of, um, I'll use a great example like Frank Lloyd Wright. You know, the guy's moonlighting in his own neighborhood out there in Oak Park. And um, 
his boss comes out from town and goes, that's a Frank house, that's a Frank house, that's a Frank house, Frank, you're fired. Or Frank says he resigned. But ultimately, his work was distinctive enough and he had an album sitting in those few streets from his house that mm -hmm. his boss was like, don't tell me this was somebody else's work. <laughs> and it's it's interesting if you think about it that way, the um, um, that, that, that there are these architects that sort of changed the the world, if you will. So Franco yeah. Wright, certainly one. Certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, Alvaro Alto was one. Uh, I would put uh, Santiago Calatrava in that, that group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. He's and, a sculptor. I don't know why you call him an architect. Exactly. He's a sculptor that people, that makes buildings. He just yeah. sculpts on a large scale. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and, 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 uh, and it's interesting too, like, um, uh, I've seen several of his buildings because I've traveled there yeah. um, and and there uh, and I've seen photos and the photos and I'd say this is probably true of every single architect that you that we've just sort of named as changing the world which yeah. would include many many others yeah. you see it and and it's amazing in real the photos are great but in real life it's 10 times better and if oh. I'm exaggerating it's on the low side so a million yeah. times better yeah um yeah. And then and with you, just just even the Oculus, you know, like, and yeah. it, it, it's an incredible building to be in. I can't remember what's the one that opens up. You know, there's the building that's yeah. got the yeah, wings. Yeah, yeah. yeah Oh yeah, my yeah. god! Like just a to conceive it, to to create a bird. That doesn't sound complex, does it? Neither did the Sydney Opera House. And then to conceive it, but then to have it built. And for it to be, I, I would love to see the original sketches to see how close to the original sketches it ended up. But just so, fascinating so work. Building, yeah, so I think that building, the uh, the Calatrava one that, that opens like with the winds yeah. is, is in Milwaukee. And it's yeah, it museum is. art in Milwaukee. And, uh, and I have seen the, I don't know if they were initial sketches, but they're early. And, um, and to me, it's just, it's just like one engineering nightmare after another. And, yeah. and then... And then let's, but it's also, you know, because it's Milwaukee, it's on the Great Lake, right? So that means that that wind is a big deal too. Like, oh, like wind, we have to add that into the, you know, everything. Um, but that, but it's, but it's interesting to see how, like, like, like Santiago Calatrava or Frank Lloyd Wright or Alvaro Alto or Bernini or any of those yeah. uh, architects that changed the world, they, right? But they didn't have anything different than you or me. Like, like, in other words, they had the same glass, the same brick, the same concrete, the same, everything was the same. Clearly, they weren't worried about what the engineer would say. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a little bit of truth to that. Do, do you know the, do you know the, the, um, the story of Frank Lloyd Wright and uh, Falling Water, right. where um, Kaufman doubted that Frank had the engineering right? And um, so he got his own engineer or a friend of his who was an engineer and gave him what Frank was proposing. And the engineer said, ah, it'll never work. It'll never stand up, you know, it'll fall mm -hmm. over and all the rest. It needs right. more of this and it needs more of that. And um, so anyway, uh, because Frank wasn't on site, um, they enacted a, a fair bit of what the other engineer had said without Frank's um, blessing. Oh, really? Apparently so. And um, an interesting thing with that is that in the restoration of falling water, you know, they, they lifted every flagstone in the, in the floor there and mm -hmm. they put in cables and stuff because it was tilting towards the river. It had mm -hmm. dropped towards uh, Mill Run Creek or mm -hmm. river there. And um, I was talking to a, a, a builder about this and we were, because uh, I do tours to falling water. It's a place I love to go. And mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to a builder about it and he said, well, you know, Frank might have been right. And I'm like, but it was sagging. And he goes, yeah, but too much steel is a problem as well. He said, so the, there's a there's a perfect amassed amount of steel versus concrete. Hmm. Um, and if you put too much steel, you may weaken the structure that the concrete's trying to work for. Um, he uh, said, so sure. maybe Frank isn't wrong. He said, but we'll never know because uh, they didn't build it Frank's way. <laughs> But it is the uh, it is interesting to think about again, like those those people that change the universe, and then and then in music, you know, Jimi Hendrix would be one, yeah. Eddie Van Halen would be another, yeah. uh, Mozart's a third. 
I don't think Britney Spears gets to get in that group. Uh, she uh, changed some other things. It wasn't the music. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so in any case, but but you see the point is that the, they, they those are the same. You know, they have the same twelve notes as everyone else, and yet they change the world. Yeah. And the, yeah. and and the architects the same way. And it's just as interesting to think of the world kind of before and then the world after. And I just I just always like like you know. I always out. think of this when we come to the architecture part of that mm-hmm. is, you know, um, some those guys change the world because they have many great hits uh, in music and also in right. uh, the architecture. You know, they had great mm-hmm. they had a greatest hits album that they could put out at the end of it. And when we look at, say, Frank Lloyd Wright's work, um, for an example, Falling Water is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. There's not a series of them. You look at the work he did in Los Angeles, there's a series of it. You look mm-hmm. at a work that he did with, you know, Estonian mm-hmm. homes, there's a series of it. Falling mm-hmm. Water is, and, and it's the jewel in the crown for many. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a one of a kind. It's a, it's a piece of genius that happened, and it's like one hit song, you know, so if you said, um, you know, the, the greatest song of all time from a band, you might, you know, go, well, Stairway to Heaven would be, you know. Right. And I all know. their other songs are like, they've got great songs, but that's the song. That's the one, right. Um, you know, and I always look at it that way. And I'm not a musician, but I, I'm fascinated by music. I, I look at it the same way, that there's this thing that there isn't necessarily a thread of a whole lot of other pieces like that. It's the one that they did. And it stands them apart mm-hmm. in that moment. They already stood apart, but that's their high point. Yeah, mm. it's, it, it it is interesting the the um, because because you're right. The, 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 there's that um, you know that, that that level of genius that happens in artistic creation. You know, painting, sculpture, architecture, yeah. music. Yeah, uh, and and it's it's fun to you know just to. Be a part of it. You know, I've gone to Falling Water. It's actually not too far from my house. I'd say it's like maybe a three-hour drive at the most. Um, nice. I know I'm coming to stay with you next time I go there. Then <laughs> more than invited. Um, I have the, Falling uh, Water. I have Falling Water Cam on my computer, so I can I can the, flick in and look at it. Like this morning, it was all snowy, and um, it's it's like a black and white photo with a beige building in it. Oh, uh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. That, we didn't get any snow here. So oh, it's, and it's, and it's not, there's again, plenty of snow there. Yeah. There's just the, the three hours. Um, so, so I was, I was wondering about like, like seeing a, like a great piece of architecture and the difference between listening to music versus seeing it live, you know, and is it, is there a correlation between that? Wow. I think you're so right. Um, I, I for, for a little sort of background on my thoughts on that is, I actually think that digital music has kind of destroyed music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that digital um, uh, distribution of music has um, been the benefit of live music um, because because everybody got their music ripped off so easily in the digital format mm-hmm. through that first period of, you know, Napster and stuff like that. Right, and right. then now it's better controlled and they're probably making way less, but they've got a bigger reach and audience and stuff like that as well. So it, with that, um, I think that it put the rise of great concerts out there and um, spectacular concerts, not necessarily the big shows, but but just the live concert became more important because you get something when it's uh, a non-digital format being pumped at you from the stage and so think, you get the environment. It's like going to a restaurant. You go for the, you go because you're hungry, but you don't go because you're hungry. You go for the environment. Yeah, the ambiance and and, the, and there's something about like the shared communal experience. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago I lived in Germany and um, my wife's brother came to visit us in order to see David Byrne in concert, right? Because he yeah, was right. playing like right near our house, like in a, 20 minutes away, something like that. And uh, in Frankfurt, and um, so we go to the concert, and it was general admission, and the uh, and we get there, and I, you know, it was like general admission. If you if you show up early, you can get like right up close to the stage. So I was trying to get everyone to go, and one thing led to another. We only showed up maybe at the most an hour early at the most. Yeah, and right. it was empty. The place was empty. Oh really? Yeah. 
Yeah, empty, empty. To the point where I thought we were in the wrong place. They took our tickets and we're still in the wrong place. And so we waddled right up to the stage. And, you know, here's the microphone of, that David Byrne will be singing in an hour, a little bit less. My mom right there. And, um, and then 20 minutes later, I turn around and the place is packed. Like Germany, German Germany, man. Germany. Right. Germany. Well, you don't go early. You go when you're meant to go. Yes. So in any case, they said so doors we were, open at right, right. <laughs> and uh, so in any case, so there we were, and um, and it was just a, a a really interesting experience to be like that close to the stage, and you know, several times that David Byrne said something to the crowd, and my brother-in-law responded, and he looked down and goes, "This one gets it," or something like. I mean, they were yeah. communicating, and yeah. it was just a great concert, and um, and That's special, uh, right? And there was no. There was no video screen. There was no, you know, it was just a, a bunch of people playing really in, intriguing, excellent music. And we were just all there together to experience it together. And it's just was a, a really fun concert. And, and I've gone to other ones. I've um, we went to a U2 concert and they had what they called, I guess, the red zone. So their stage was kind of a circle. And then in the circle was, a, was their stage. And this was like this walkway. And yeah. the red zone yeah. was... The, in between the stage and this walkway and somehow it's a long story I got to be back there so the band would come out to the edge of the stage and the the, the stadium's all here you know it's like giant yeah. stadium and I'm here looking to see what they see you know so I'm like on stage you know not really essentially but, on stage with them right right wow. and then yeah wow. and then you see it and and again it just elevates the whole experience and you know and you, the same way you didn't at that point um, when Bono or when the Edge put his guitar down, just pick it up and, and take over like you did outside the Pompidou Centre. I almost Put a did. hat down. Right. You could have right. jumped up there, man. This could have been your moment. Would have been the last house you drew. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, it, but it was, uh, and I could have done a little bit of that. I, I You know, the, yeah. although I, from what I understand, playing in, in those kinds of arenas, the, the, the sound bounces in a little bit of a weird way. And so you have to be like really locked in to the beat because if, you, if you're if you listening, you might mess it up, the songs, just because of the way the-, the Sure. So what's right. the parallel to that with architecture? So I, I was thinking about that. So I think, I think again, like, um, um, like when you see a, a, a beautiful photo of the Santiago Calatrava building and it's beautiful, and then you're there, and now it's like a religious experience. So, yeah, so it's a, true. And and so it's it's and and it's and it's not. I don't know this. Every architect. There's a a friend of mine who's an architect here, and you go to his houses, and they're very idiosyncratic homes, um, and you have to be the right kind of client to be his client. Uh, yeah. Like like not everyone could be his client, and. Um, and you and you, I've seen photographs, and the photographs are beautiful, and they never match up to the actual home. Which again, these aren't big homes; these are just uh, it, they're just so incredibly crafted that the photography doesn't ever do them justice. And I think mm. there's a little bit of truth to that. And um, I never saw a Steve Ray Vaughan in concert, but I kind of think there might have been some truth to that. Like 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 you like the records are great; nothing wrong with the records. But when you see them do it live. Oh yeah, I, I imagine I didn't either, but I imagine I have a friend who toured with him um, while they shot a commercial uh, in New Zealand, and she said, "Just another human being altogether. Just quite incredible, incredibly magnetic when he's on. Mm -hmm. You know, when he's on. Um, you know, an interesting thing. I do this a lot when I go to. I do it." every time I go to a house um, to look at it, if it's a renovation or a piece of land, but I do it when I go to great architecture. So one of the reasons I love to tour and take tours on architecture around in architectural places is um, I go and just before I go into the place, I, um, I have a, a little ritual of that. I set myself up to, um, shift my beta state thinking to alpha state thinking. And this is a level of brainwave thinking. Yep, and yep. Um, in doing that, I, I, I sort of do my little centering of myself and I take a couple of breaths and then 
I go into the structure and I ask for two things from the from the structure. One is is for the structure to show me what I can't see. Um, okay. You know, so I want to know. I want it to. I want to set my peripheral vision to be huge. But I also want the architect in the room with me. Oh, that's so interesting. And so I just listen for what the architect was looking for and talking about. And so I will. This sounds all a bit woo-woo, but I will call Frank into the room right. and go, okay, so what was what, what happened? Why? What happened here? Tell me the story. And then I'll just try and find enough quiet headspace to observe it and construct really a story. But the, the construct is arriving. It kind of arrives. It doesn't necessarily... Um, it's not something I'm putting together as much as the space is putting together. And, and, and how could have you known that you'd look out this window and see this? You're not that tall. You're not, you're, you weren't able to stand at this level on the blog. You were imagining this. Right, right. And, and so you right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He didn't have a, he didn't have a cherry picker come in and go, oh, well, I'll stand up here and see what I can see. He yeah. imagined what he could see in the next piece. And then he, um, and, and I say, hey, there's, uh, you know, tons of people who do this really well. Um, he also prescribed the feeling you would have as you transitioned um, by light, by size, by weight, by constriction, by expansion. Yep. Yep. And he chose those journeys for you. Um, maybe the same journey everywhere, I don't think so, but it was um, it was a set of like great chords that he would um, throw down, uh, but mixed in a new it. song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And, and it's, you know, and when... Um, you can sort of imagine like a song like Silent Night, you know, so Silent Night, every, everyone can, can hum that. And when it's played, you know, you, maybe it's a harp this time, you know, and it's, uh, and it's extremely, uh, the, the song is all about the space between the notes, right? That's what that oh, sure. song is about. Yeah. And, and there's no, um, uh, and, it's, and everyone can hum the song, it's, and, it, and, it's, and it creates its own universe, right? Yeah. In the same way that Frank Lloyd Wright does when he does one of his, buildings, homes, whichever. And, um, and it's the same thing, like U2 does this too. And then, you know, the, the song would get really quiet, really quiet, really quiet. And then it just explodes, you know? Yeah. And uh, in the same way that Frank Lloyd Wright does. And it's interesting for me, like, uh, like songs all have structure, right? They all do, mm -hmm. same way buildings do, and they're all very strict. You know, the structure of a song is very strict. In yeah. the same way the structure for a building is. But then what happens between the structure, like almost That's anything. the magic. So yeah. on that, on that, you've got guitars in the background. I think one of them looks like it's plugged in. What are you going to yeah. play for us? Is it going to be Silent Night? Uh, no, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to play, hold on. I'm uh, so excited by this. Jeff Dungan picked up his guitar and played it in my podcast. And um, it was just a, a, a beautiful piece of magic. A beautiful piece of magic, yeah. Okay. What guitar are you on there? So this is um, this is my it's a, it's a Strat. So oh. uh, hold on. the uh, so I bought this when I um, got this office. So it is as it as it's artwork, right? And it's and it's got famously the uh, the the humbucker instead of the single coil in the bridge right. position. And so it's a little different than most, which means it's got a little bit more um, range, like the. Cool. The, the, I'm so, a Joe Bonamassa fan too, by the way. Ah, he's he's an amazing guitar player. I, I saw him in Los Angeles, or actually in Palm Springs, um, last year. Um, yeah. So so what I've been working on lately. Oh, here we go. He's not um, going to show us pictures at this point. He's going to make sounds yeah, for us, guys. Exactly. So I've been working on uh, Eddie Van Halen's Eruption. And uh -huh. so it, it's probably one of the hardest things I can play, but it goes a little like this.
I love but, it. But normally what I play is, uh, you know, not quite that. That's all just one string, by the way. I saw that. It's yeah, all just, just one string. One string. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, it's 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 uh it's hard to play that without warming up. I probably should have warmed up a little bit. Yeah, your but. fingers are probably a little bit like creaky before you uh, just hit into that. Um, yeah, we're talking just before about um, you know this live music thing and being in the space and something that I know that's really close to your heart in the architectural space is virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, give me give me some runway and background on that. Why why is why it's so important in what you do and how it benefits, I suppose, and, and what's the joy of it? Yeah, there's there's, there's a couple of a, a couple of things. So first off, um, about twelve years ago, maybe um, maybe it was a little bit more. I was jogging, so I, I live on this uh, uh, trail, and it goes from my house twenty miles to Pennsylvania. So I'm on somewhere in there, and I'm jogging. And I come up with the idea that I should give uh, all of my clients unlimited three-dimensional drawings. Every client, unlimited three-dimensional drawings. And I just stopped jogging and start laughing because no architect's ever done that. What, what made me think I could? And um, <laughs> Right, exactly. And, uh, and then I kind of figured it out. Um, it took a year or so to figure it out, but I did it. And so my clients were getting like 30, 40, 60 renderings inside out all over. And we would go like here, 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 here. And I did that for ooh, seven years or something like that. And then maybe three or four years ago. You're just doing one client a year because that's a mass amount of work to render. All um, no. So the, so the, the renderings weren't um, artistic renderings. They were, ah. they were, uh, um, structural type renderings like yeah but they were pretty good i because i because I, I couldn't stand giving someone a rendering that was not beautiful but it wasn't like a uh you know a, a full artistic yeah, yeah yeah gotcha yeah so um so i played around with the light i played around with the materials a little bit and i um you know and i, I did the best i could but the object was to be to you know create the 3d model and mm -hmm. then do all these camera views of that 3d model so now fast forward to maybe four years ago and a friend of mine said, man, you're so close to virtual reality. I can taste it like that. And, um, and so I said, huh? So I started to go into that realm and it is completely changes the game. So I'll, I'll give you a, a very quick example. Then I'll tell you the, the why. So the quick example is, you know, I've been married to my wife for now 30 years in a row. And, um, <laughs> and the, uh, um she's a great woman exactly she's exactly. a great woman exactly yeah, to her. But you know <laughs> um, so so but the but the point is is she's seen a million drawings a million perspectives a million everything and um and i um, designed a house and, and i wanted to see if i could take the virtual reality on the road so i mm -hmm. brought home the goggles and everything else and um and then i set it up and i she put the goggles on and, and she goes, this is amazing. And this is like a woman who, you know, she likes me, but she doesn't want to, you know. Buy enough enough to, get to say, feet. yeah, she, exactly. She also knows how to just keep you where you need to be. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Makes and, the and relationship run smoothly. And, and a smart woman. So <laughs> she's not going to like throw out a, a willy-nilly compliment. And then she takes the goggles off. She goes, this is like, I, I truly understand this house. And then puts it back in, and uh, and then just for fun, the way that it works is you you have this wand, and you kind of point to where you want to go, and you press the button, and then then you're there, and you yeah. can walk around within a little space because you know it's usually your virtual reality space is maybe ten by ten, so you can take three or four steps in any direction. Okay, cool. And then, right, and then they'll they'll like this um, like this wire mesh, it's blue, I think starts to show up if you're getting close to a wall. Ooh, oh, okay, in real life. Right. And, and then so you turn around and you start walking in a different direction or you point this wand. So I point the wand up onto the kitchen counter, right? So now she's standing on the counter, you know, three feet above the virtual floor. And I put her right at the edge and I say, now go ahead and walk off the counter. And she goes, oh, I don't want it. You know, like that. <laughs> and, 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 it, and the virtual reality is good enough that it tricks this little lizard part of your brain. Like, oh, I might hurt myself if I, like, if I fall off the yeah. counter, which of course you couldn't have done. Um, so that, that gets me to this, 
this level of understanding that um, that we architects generally have. You know, we visualize in three dimensions like we breathe. You know, we don't even think about it. And our clients who, you know, I always say that um, all of my clients have one thing in common. They're all smarter than I am, right? That's all of them. Every That's how they can afford you. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and the, but they can't visualize in three dimensions, sometimes not at all. Yeah. And, um, right. And so this virtual reality brings them right into the game. And, um, and so I, I was working with a couple and she came up with an idea that I explored and it was terrible. I mean, it just was not good. And uh, she's the type of person that um, I needed to show it to her. So she would know that A, we tried it and B, that it wasn't gonna work. That it didn't work, yeah. All right. And virtual reality was the perfect ticket. Like a drawing wouldn't have shown how this didn't work. And then, then I showed her the alternative that I thought was better for her and her husband. And she's like, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you know? but, and, but and she could see it all of a sudden. Exactly. It's not about you being right or her being wrong. It's about that she could actually experience it. And she knew, right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, like I tell people, like the mathematicians will say the difference between being, you know, 100% sure of something and 95% and sure is 5%. You do the math, but that's not true. So if you're 100% sure of anything, that's like a different universe. And, um, and, and it's like night and day, it's just yeah. not 5%. It's, it's, it's a, a million times different. And, uh, and that's what virtual reality gives people and they, and they know. And so the, you, you know, the salesman in me um, says that the virtual reality pays for itself. And the way it does is that we don't have change orders because change orders are always when a client didn't fully understand something and then the room is now too big or too small. And then the contractor, well, wait a minute, let's measure. It's 22 foot seven and a half inches. What are the drawings say? 22 foot seven and a half. <gasps> See, I was right. The, the, you know, yeah, I know, but yeah. it's still too small or too big or whatever yeah. the problem is. It's the, it's not because it was built wrong. That, that's no, no, no. It's just that it wasn't conceived right or wasn't um, in that first moment. You know, like or, or explained correctly. You know, maybe it's the architect yeah. fault. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's the architect fault. But on uh, both sides, like it's a yeah, it's it's just a miscommunication that can be cleaned up. Exactly. And 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 uh, I was on the phone with a with a client one time, and she was explaining something, and I was hearing what she was explaining, and I finally said, uh, I can easily imagine with that explanation at least two or three different things we need to meet in person because I, I don't know where exactly you are. And that's the kind of thing that happens to every architect with every client. And, um, you know, so, so you've said something correctly and they've understood it correctly. And yes. yet you're thinking of two different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, right. it's, it's, uh, it's the most common thing that I would see, um, you know, what, what, again, you can visualize it all standing up you can visualize it, you know, without it even being drawn. Um, they start to try and visualize it from your drawing, but if they have no ability to do that, then how could you be talking about something that's even similar? Right, or, or limited ability, right? Yeah. And so what, what virtual reality does is it just eliminates the barrier. You know, we start with these, the, the videos, and, uh, and so we'll create a, a video that's 10 minutes long even, and it's, it takes people all the way around the house and inside, you know, almost every room, usually the laundry room's not on the list, but it could be, just, yeah. you know, time. And, um, and then they, they see that. And then once, once we get approvals for some of that, then they, they literally put on the goggles and then people, um, they don't look at my drawings. You know, my clients rarely look at the drawings. They, they wanna see the virtual reality. And, and it's just a, it's a complete, game changer from a, from their perspective, because, you know, it's like, uh, we don't buy cars without doing a test drive. You can sort of yeah. imagine you could go, right. You have like, let's say an Audi on one side and a BMW on the other. And because of the way you injured your back when you were 23 or whatever, the one seat is more comfortable than the other. And not that either one is bad. Just no, no, one just one right. suits you better. Do you know, an right. interesting thing with that, I've often thought that the, a real estate agent should give you should be able to test drive a home before you buy one. You know, like if it's not being designed for you, if you're buying a house, if you could spend, um, you know, one night in it, a, 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 
a 24-hour period. And you'd have to pay a big deposit to do this. So you'd be you'd be at contract stage, but you could back out. And um, but you might have to put, you know, a hundred thousand dollars down or something. But who which real estate agent would want to do it so that the people could pick have twenty-four hours to pick holes in what was wrong with the place? Instead they get maybe two to three hours in that whole structure before they ever buy it. What you're doing is you're going before you actually, you know, spend all this money building it. You actually can spend 24 hours in it, no problem whatsoever. You won't quite feel it, but you can come really close. Yeah, so so I have one client who has virtual reality goggles. Almost every other of my clients, it's the, when I put them in virtual reality, it's their very first time. You know, there's literally the one client who is a gamer. I think yeah. he's the only. I think he's the only one. But whatever, maybe it's an age thing. It doesn't matter. So he, I, I gave him the file, and he's in virtual reality in his house. That is in, in his house, looking yeah. at his new house for however long he wants. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's and it's not it's not that and, hard. To and do. you know, a VR set of goggles is you know probably off Amazon. You're probably thirty or forty bucks. No, um, no, 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 no. Uh, not for you, what you need. Yeah. So so you can get oh, them because of the processing, cheap, right? So, so normally it's like 300 bucks or 400 and up to a okay. thousand, maybe yeah. um, depending on different things. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Okay. So, so the, um, and does that, that if, if, at, at, you know, say three or $400 or $500 or something, does that give mm -hmm. them, I mean, that's not a very big investment when you consider what they're about to embark on. Yeah. Um, so. And, and the difference between the, 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 the sort of the little goggles is the refresh rate. So when you yeah. turn. Um, <laughs> the room's going to catch up with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and, um, and, and so the, the very first uh, uh, virtual reality um, presentation I did like four years ago now, the, the guy was getting seasick, you know, because yeah. I had cheap goggles and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I note to self. Throw those out. You, know, you cannot yeah, have a client getting seasick. That is not in the cards. Yeah. Um, but the but the the best story I have um, from a virtual reality perspective is a uh, clients of mine asked if her father could come. So he was probably oh, wow. in his maybe seventies or eight, probably eighties, probably in his eighties. And um, and I said sure. And then she kind of leans in a little bit. He's a retired architect. Is that? <laughs> Is that, are you still you you still want to run with sure? Yeah, exactly. And I said sure. And then and then I you know because I, I I thought I was kind of you know in I was like at that point I was in. Yeah. And, um, and the uh, and I called a friend of mine, classmate from college, and uh, and and he said, which I thought was interesting that he felt the need to say this, but he did. And he said, you know, Peter, he's a retired architect. You respect him like your own father or something like that. And I was like. I was going to do that. And, and, but I'm thinking like, I'm designing this house for his daughter. Right. So his little girl and he's going to yeah. protect the daughter. And, yeah. and so how's that dynamic going to work? And, 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 and it was fine, but, but he put the goggles on and we couldn't get him off the guy. Really? Just, yeah. He just didn't want it. And then, then the very next day um, he had like coffee with him or within a week, he had coffee with all of his architect buddies. And he goes, I've seen the future. It's virtual reality. How cool is that? Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and uh, and then the 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 bittersweet. It's not bittersweet. It's it's sad ending. Uh, is that he passed away before the house was completed? Yeah, but he saw uh, it. Yeah, exactly. he, he could probably, you know, like this sounds a bit cheesy, but he knew that she was getting what she needed. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's what I like, and 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 more even than that is that she knew yeah exactly what you said she knew that he knew yeah so, so everyone was on exactly the same page not not kind of the same page that's a really cool um illustration of the story of the value of it it's um yeah. i like that i like that a lot i work in pencil so i'm not quite sure how you do vr and pencil but um yeah but i i think you probably do know how you do vr and pencil what you do is you do this drawing and then you and then it's beautiful and, and your drawings are more beautiful than mine. I, you know, again, <laughs> I don't um, think so. <laughs> no, but they are. And and it's just it's just it's, it, you get that hand like and it, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it's and it's art. The the, the 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 plans, the elevations, art, and the drawings behind you, art. Uh, my point is, 
is that then you add, you layer on top of that your words. And, um, and you'll say, you know, come into the foyer. It's this intimate experience. And you'll see out to your left so, this. So you could draw scenes almost if you wanted, I suppose. But you do that with your voice. Yeah. Yeah, and then, true. And then, right. And then they, then you, you'll walk, you'll pause right at that threshold. And, and as you walk into the, the blah, blah, blah room, whatever it is, the, the world expands. And then, and then your body language expands with it. And yeah. then your client is getting that experience. The problem, of course, is, is that the, that connection has to be exact. Otherwise, it doesn't quite work. And with VR, I don't need a connection. I just need, I need a plug to plug in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I, I love what it does. I've, um, you know, watched some of your videos on it and, um, you know, that you've presented and stuff. And I go, wow, it's, it's certainly, I, again, take my wife as the example, you know, she looks at well, some of what I draw, not, not all by any means. Um, she'll look at it and she'll say to me, so where's the storage? <laughs> oh, it's here, 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 here. And she'll go, okay, cool. So they've got enough storage. That's good. <laughs> and she can't imagine it standing up or anything else, you know. Uh, and, you know, bless her that she asks where the storage is. <laughs> She's so, like, so, yeah, so my favorite <laughs> on that topic is uh, I worked with this woman years ago now, and, uh, and her best friend would come over for lunch. Uh, so this woman was not an architect, but she loved to look at plants, right? Yeah. And so, so we were there, and there are plants, and so she would look at the plants. I was like uninvited, but she didn't need an invitation. So anyway, so there she is looking at the plant, and the very first thing, every single time, she'd put her finger as close as she could to the front door, and then she's looking for the powder room. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, because she needs to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and every time and then like the closer that powder room was to the front door the, the more better she... job you've done <laughs> <laughs> i use it as a as a really interesting thing i i say to clients especially uh clients who have children and mm -hmm. say maybe three children i'll go as so i have a husband and wife there and they'll have three kids and i'll say so one of the things I'm looking to do is position a powder room pretty close to the um, to the garage. Mm -hmm. And they kind of look at me and I go, well, it doesn't really concern you so much. And I dismiss the man. <laughs> I go, but your wife's been, you know, like picking kids up from school. She's been needing to pee since probably about one. And uh, it's now four. Yeah, and she's got okay. a car full of stuff. And she's wrangling kids. You're at the office enjoying yourself. And she's the, the main thing on her mind is, is I need to pee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we put and, that there for her. And then for you, here's your big benefit. Yeah, whatever When you're trying to leave on the weekend and you've got the kids are disappearing back in the house to pee and you're sitting in the car going, I want to leave this damn house. You know that there's a queue right there outside that door and they've all peed and they're out and you, you didn't lose them back into the mire of the house. So yeah. And then for me, it's always the same thing, too, is that, that and, you know, don't go into the, the public powder room because then we'll have to clean it. What if company shows up? What if company shows up? And, <laughs> and uh, it's like the family, we can, we can get them back over here somewhere. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So VR, music, the dance between architecture and music, I think, is really fascinating. And, you know, like the, the limited number of things and then how you can explode those into multiple things. Um, yeah. Really important. You, yeah, I told you that the guy who came in saw the guitars and said, you know, I knew you were going to be my architect. And then later I said, well, the, his house is done. It's beautiful. All that, whatever. Yeah. I asked, um, you said that and I understood. But like, why, though? Because I don't think I understand. And he goes, well, the, you know, the, the, the structure of a song and the structure of a building, you know, that rhythm and then the sub rhythms and all that. And I knew you would understand because of those two guitars, really. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. And, and, um, and a couple said, of guitars on the wall, but yeah. Yeah. It's and, so and, true. And there's, there's a little bit about that that is um, interesting. He wasn't wrong. I'm, I'm not sure he was right exactly, but he's absolutely not wrong. Um, you know, the, 
the my best guitar playing days are over. But the um, you know, but I wrote a song uh, like a month and a half ago, you know, or a portion of a song, and um, and you know, and again, there's there's reasons to every decision I made in that um, you know every single note is is purposeful. And, and it's interesting to think about it from that perspective. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, which, which guitar do you play that song on that you wrote a piece of? The, the same one. Do you want cool, because I'm going to get you to play it as our outro now. Uh, so okay. okay. We're going to okay. leave with that music. <laughs> okay. So, so that would the, be uh, really cool. Yeah, and I'll, I'll play the, uh, I'll, I'll do a video for you a little bit of something um, you know, but I'll, pl I'll play the song. That's, that's yeah. perfectly fine. It's, That'd it's, be it's, fun. Don't have to play all of it, just a piece, just some nice yep, pieces of yep, it. That'd be yep, cool. Exactly. And it, it'll be a nice outro too. Yeah. The, it, it's, it's a, a calm song, which is, you know, nice. If it was a building, what would it be? Um, it would be a, it would be the portion of a home where someone goes outside and has this, uh, little, you know, private secret garden that that they they can have, uh, they can decompress from the whole world in their own space. So so, but it's outside. It's got fresh air. That that's what it would be. So, awesome. but not the big view. Not the big view. No, no. You know, this is intimate. This is yeah, exactly, and it's private, and it's uh, a retreat type space. It's a space yeah. that it nurtures them. Exactly, and that the song is intended for that. That's it. The word nurture is probably the, the right one. I love that. I love that. Well, grab that guitar, Peter. Peter, thank you so much, man. Really, really enjoyed that. What a great chat. We'll do more. We will do yeah. more. And, uh, and and I am serious, by the way. Again, when you come to Falling Water, I'm about three hours away. So Yeah, we'll be in visit for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Man, thank you so much. We're going to post all um, Peter's uh, contact details, all his socials, all those kinds of things on the Talk Design website. So you'll be able to find it all there. And... No, Go I'll and imagine you yourself. Sorry. I'll give you a couple of videos too. I, I've yeah, got some cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah, some condensed yeah. videos. People can get a feel for the, you know, try it yourself, you know, kind of thing. And I've, I've condensed some uh, presentations to about two and a half minute video videos. Yeah, awesome. That would be fantastic. That would be really, really cool. And look, we've got a wide audience. So I'm sure that there'll be all different levels of people who will yeah. Yeah, be inspired be and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. Thanks. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. -bye. Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free Magic Arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a Magic Arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being 
pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.